Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press, hour number two, 501, your kickoff time here on a beautiful, well, not a beautiful, I for, forgive me, it's ugly. March 19th might describe the mood of many March Madness fans here on a Thursday afternoon where we should be watching March Madness basketball. I should be on the road as, lo- as well as my guest who should be on the bench watching the Aggies compete to try to get their first NCAA tournament win in 19 years. Actually, no, excuse me. Yeah, ni- yeah, 19 years, actually, 2001. Uh, instead, uh, the coronavirus has ended that and ended all hope of that. And so here is my next guest, Carl Smith, uh, joining me here for the whole entire hour. He's USU men's basketball trainer. Gabby the intern is here as well as Gabby is completing her, uh, I guess, technically her final day with us. Gabby, still holding up over there? Yeah. Are you sure you don't want any of these fudge and the MMs? I, I'm good. Thanks, I'm, though. It says a share size, so I'm supposed to share with somebody. And I don't want to oh. eat all these. I look like an Oompa Loompa. No, you don't. I look like a chocolate oh, Whopper. My. Just king size. Okay. <laughs> Bad. Uh, <laughs> Carl Smith here joining me on the uh, Full Court Press. Carl, again, thanks for uh, spending the whole hour with me, my man. It's no problem. Okay, so... Uh, we were just talking about Clemson. And by the way, we were playing a little game here where you can text into the show. If you just joined us, all here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. We're playing a game where you can text into the show at 435-339-0321. And you can ask Carl any question. Now, here's a caveat to it. He does not have to answer that question if it deems too sensitive to his job. So he can, I mean, he will ask him, but he can also say no comment. No, thank you. Or he can just start yelling at me. One of the, I can one, ramble for five minutes and never about answer something the else. Yeah, like Craig Smith does. He answers the question by not even answering, just talking for three minutes, and then turning around and saying, "Oh, sorry, what was the question again?" Yeah, uh, no. And so you can also hit me up on Twitter at AJ Salvi to ask uh, any questions for uh, Carl about what his experience has been like and and so much more. Hey, before we get back in Utah State basketball, we were just talking about Clemson. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is traded from the Texans for a bag of beans. To go to Arizona and play on the opposite side of the hash mark of Larry Fitzgerald with Kyler Murray behind center, did that blow your mind on that trade? Yeah, I just don't. I don't understand it personally. I just don't get. You know, if you're now, I've watched a lot of Texans games, so if I'm trading what I consider to be the best wide receiver in the NFL, and I've watched my quarterback get average, sacked an average of seven times a game, and I'm not getting at least one All Pro. Offensive lineman, maybe two. <laughs> I'm not trading him because I I know what the weakness of the team is, and it's not necessarily your running back, especially when you're trading for an often injured, good running back, but often injured. It just didn't make sense to me. Well, he, and, and the other thing with it is is uh, they have like four running backs already because they only still have mm-hmm. Lamar Miller. Yeah, this I, I think Lamar Miller is still there. Carlos Hyde, which I don't know if his was a one year deal. I would have to look. Um, but they have some decent draft picks, too, that they could go get a running back. And we know, we, we won't have a long conversation, but we know running backs in the NFL are available. I, uh, with that, how do you think Deshaun Watson's feeling right now? got to be sick to your stomach. Yeah, I just, uh, unless they've promised something to him as far as in the draft or they have an idea what they're going to do in the draft to get him some help. He doesn't really have an offensive line right now. He doesn't have a lot of targets. You know, they still have Will Fuller there, or Fuller there, but he's 
again, often injured, just like David Johnson. Probably their two biggest weapons right now are probably an average of eight to ten games a year you can get out of them. So, I mean, that just it just doesn't make sense to me. When DeAndre Hopkins played every single game, I don't know if he's missed a game in his career yet. I'm sure he has, but he hasn't missed a ton of games. Two games in his career. In his entire career. Two games, career. and that's it. You know, and, and he's the best in the league, as far as I'm considered, which we could argue that, too. DeAndre Hopkins, according to Bleacher Report, uh, said that Bill O'Brien compared him to Aaron Hernandez and criticized Hopkins for having mothers of his children around too much. <laughs> How does Billy O'Brien still have a job? Um, well, DeAndre Hopkins came out and kind of cleared the air about that situation and said that he loved his time with Houston and that he respects Coach very much. So I don't know the truth of that whole reporting as far as what he said. Fair um, enough. But I don't know how he has a job with the team he has because he's kind of the GM coach, and now he's put together this team, and I don't know how you have a job after that, but we'll, we'll worry about what he said later. <laughs> so do you become a Cardinals fan now? I mean, how do you do that? I'm going a, I'm to a be an NFL free agent <laughs> for the next year, and we'll see where Trevor gets picked. <laughs> Whoever takes Trevor probably has my allegiance. <laughs> uh, so the Texans had agreed to trade DeAndre. Uh, for like what? Like a, like a fourth round fourth pick. Fourth round and David Johnson. David Johnson. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the Bills, uh, they get who did they get as a receiver? Just recently, I can't remember his name. Stephon now. Diggs. Yes, for and but they had to give up like two first round picks, a third round pick, a fourth round pick, and a guy, and uh, uh, I think an offensive lineman. Yeah. Like, do you? It makes you shake your head that DeAndre Hopkins. Gets traded for a colorful flavor bag of beans, and yet Bills have to give up the pine just to even sniff yeah. getting Stefan Diggs, who, by the way, wanted to leave Minnesota. They just want to create a news. It's slow in the sports news now. They just wanted to create something exciting to talk I about. I feel like NFL saving our grace for this, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's just as crazy as this has been. Yeah. Uh, it really, uh, I got to ask you with uh, Clemson Tigers, Dabo Sweeney, Trevor Lawrence coming back. You like their chances to come back and uh, be a part of that fourteen? Always Always do. do. Always do. Here's the thing: the last seven years, I get bothered by it though, and 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 I want you to defend this argument because it's my argument all the time. The ACC is weaker than the Pac-12, and that's why I think that the ACC. I mean, Clemson gets an automatic bid into the fourteen playoff based on the fact that they have a crappy conference. But they've performed when they've gotten there. Have they though? I mean, they squeaked by North Carolina. Perform better than Oklahoma that keeps on getting there. That's but Oklahoma plays it <laughs> in a tougher conference. Um, I worked in the Big Twelve for a couple of years. I don't know which one. Got, the ACC gets a bad rap for being weak, and then Clemson gets a bad rap for who they play. In my opinion, Clemson can't help. You know, Clemson always has two SEC teams on the schedule. Whether it's Fair, Auburn, yeah. Georgia, they've played Alabama in the past. They always play the last game of the year in South Carolina. Can't help that that's kind of a dumpster fire right now. You don't expect an SEC team with the historic caliber of South Carolina to be as terrible as they are right now. You don't expect Florida State to be where they are right now. Georgia Tech is normally better. And so it's kind of unfortunate. Clemson can't control that. All they can do is control themselves. And they do that, and they win. So you have to reward them in that. And you know they do go out and they schedule. They're not they're not an SEC school playing four FCS schools in a year or two, and then 
the worst of the FBS. That's you true. know yeah. they do actually schedule out a conference, <laughs> and they can't control their conference right now. And their conference historically and should be better. If you look at NFL draft picks, current players in the NFL, ACC is not shabby um, when it comes to comparing to everyone besides maybe the SEC, which is overrated. The SEC is overrated? I'm going to go there. LSU would love to have a conversation with you right I'm now. I'm sure they would. I'm not saying the top of the SEC. I'm talking about SEC as a whole. People often forget about the Vanderbilts and the Mississippi States, the old Misses and the Arkansas. Do you feel like, but those teams would just demolish teams like in the ACC, North Carolina, Duke. Mississippi State would? Georgia Tech. No. No, Mississippi State wouldn't. Arkansas wouldn't. This sounds like it's being biased. Vander- Arkansas, Vanderbilt wouldn't. Ar- Arkansas, okay, so give I me- think South Carolina's lost to their last four ACC opponents. Could be wrong there, but I think they've played North Carolina, North Carolina State, and they lost to both of them. Okay, so Vanderbilt football versus Duke football. Duke has a good chance of winning those games. <laughs> they really do. You're not joking either. No. You're dead serious. Cutcliffe has done a, done a heck of a job there at Duke. You know, Clemson's backup quarterback that probably saved their chances for the national championship two years ago, Chase Bryce, just transferred to do. Should the college football playoff be expanded to six, eight? Make it 16. Clemson will be in the final every year. Every year? Yeah. 16? I mean, I'm not going to say every year, but most years. Okay, so here's the thing, though. Is, is What I'm asking is Pac-12 goes has an undefeated team, if they did. Mm-hmm. Big 12 has an undefeated team. Clemson goes undefeated. You have two SEC teams that are undefeated, but you only have four spots. You know, looking at it, I mean, and if the Big Ten has any say in it as well, if they have a one-loss Ohio State team who maybe loses to a team in non-conference play, one of those big kickoff games, you would still have to think that the ACC would get left out based on competition of conference. Depends on who your four non-conference games are. That's what I would say. Okay. Would have to All right. Fair enough. It, it would depend on who you played out of conference. Because if you Fair play enough. Auburn, Georgia, and South Carolina, and you beat all three of them, you have an argument. Absolutely. But if you play Furman, Wofford, uh, Mercer, and Jacksonville University, then you probably don't. Probably not going to get there. So how does Ohio State do it then? Because I feel like they play cupcakes. <laughs> Big that- Ten, but their conference is tough. That conference is really, really tough. Really tough. Is that the toughest conference in the nation? Could be week in and week out. I could say Big Ten is, is tougher than the SEC. Week in and week out. From top to bottom. SEC, yes, the Alabamas, the Georgias, the LSUs. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I will not take them away. But their bottom six, seven, eight is about like everyone else's bottom six, seven, and eight. Worst conference in the country would be who? Out of the power, power five. five? Yeah. Back 12. Ooh. Really? That's that's what I'm going with. But I'm also a Southern kid. Yeah. And I was thinking about this earlier today. It's kind of interesting that we're talking about this because in 2000, I don't know what year it was, 2003 I moved to Arkansas. It was a Reggie Bush year, 2003, oh, 2004, whatever yes. it was. Oh, four. And I just moved to Arkansas from Virginia. And the first game of the year was the USC Trojans against the Arkansas, Arkansas Razorbacks, Razorbacks. Yep. in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I know where you're going with this and one. And people and sports radio and everybody was talking for months. And we and 
Arkansas had a team. I believe it was Darren McFadden, Peyton Hillis, Felix Jones. It was one of those teams. Very good Arkansas team. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a, had a lot of hype that year. And I remember everybody in my high school and everyone I was around that, you know, they don't they don't know how to play football outside of the South. And that's a very us people from the South kind of believe that a little bit. Now I've been around the country enough to understand that that's not true, but it's a common belief <laughs> among people in the South. And I remember watching that USC Arkansas game. It was unbelievable what Reggie Bush did to that entire team. And it, I think that I would say the final score is 55-13. I'd have to go back and look. It was unbelievable. And then the the narrative kind of changed going on from there about not being able to play football outside of the South. But I would say Pac-12 is probably – because what do you have? You have ACC, Big Ten, SEC, Big 12, Pac-12. I'm saying Pac-12. I'm saying they're the weakest. I'm sticking with my gut. Fair enough. Uh, I was just looking up that year. that <laughs> So they beat – I don't know if it was Ulf. Did they, did they play back-to-back years? No, they back-to-back years once in the Coliseum, once in Fayetteville. So the one, so they didn't play him in 04, and that's the year they went undefeated. And then in 05, oh, they went undefeated too. They beat Arkansas at home. Final score, 70-17. to 17. Look at the next year. I think oh, the next year they so went 06? to Fayetteville. Look at that. Yeah, they did. 50-14. to 14. Yep. Oh my gosh! So they outscored them in two games, a hundred and twenty to what? Well, let's do the math here, Gabby. Uh, seventeen plus fourteen is what? Twenty-seven, thirty. Hundred twenty to thirty yep. in two football games, and then they thrashed Nebraska too. They had a good schedule. They lost Oregon State by two, but then beat Oregon, California, and Notre Dame back to back to back, all at home though. But all of them are ranked. That was Matt Lonard, wasn't it? Uh, it was not. It was that booty guy. Um, <laughs> John Booty? Yeah, it was John him. Booty. Yep. Dude, where did he ever end up? I have no idea. <laughs> and then they lost to USC, the, the UC, UCLA the following week, 13-9. Yep. I do remember that. And then beat Michigan in the Rose Bowl, 32-18. Finished 11-2 on the year. I remember, so the only time I, I, I when I was a manager at Utah State for football in 04, we went to Alabama that year, and we went to Clemson that year. And it was just like, I went there for the experience, knowing that we had no right being in any game at all. Whatsoever. We were down 10 at half to Alabama, and they were booing their – I mean, this sold-out 86,000 was booing the Crimson Tide off the field because they were really up like 10 on they us. Don't, they don't take lightly to that. No. no. And so then we lost like 35-17. And they – I mean, you saw like SEC football being played. And then we got ACC and Clemson at Clemson. And this is like in late October. 2004, I'm looking it up. This is like mid to late October when we played Clemson. And by the way, at this time, we had traveled the most miles in Utah State football history in the season alone. And um, we played, who was it? Yeah, we played Clemson. Well, I'll tell you what. Watching Clemson come down that freaking hill... (laughs) And that, I, was, that wasn't even a good Clemson team. Oh, dude, no. And I was like, and I think it was a, what's the Hurst kid? Uh, Charlie Whitehurst. Yes, yes. He was the quarterback. He had a dude. semi-successful backup NFL career. Yeah, absolutely. Where did he, because he did play, he went with the Titans, didn't he? He played for the Titans. He played for the, he was with the Seahawks for a long time. That's right. He was a, he was a backup. So. He got paid. I remember watching him, like, watching that team come down the hill, and I was like, yeah, we're screwed. We ain't winning this game. Like, just watching them run down the hill, I was like, holy crap, we're, we're not coming. something to see. 
and they they blew us out. Like that game wasn't even close. And I think was Clemson ranked that year in old four. Uh, I don't think so. I think they were two and they were one and four going into that game. Were they really that bad? Yeah, they were. They were they were not great that year. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I just remember watching them and just no right in the world of being in that game <laughs> against the Clemson Tigers. And but it was one of the coolest sights to behold is watching them run down that hill full speed and you have the crowds on both sides and oh who was their coach back? Was it Bowden? Yeah, Tommy Bowden. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that uh that throws me back a little bit. You just seen how mad I was when they fired Tommy Bowden and hired Debo Sweeney. And now <laughs> I'm pretty happy. Where's Tommy Bowden at? I think he does ACC Network. He's, he's something on TV, something regional. You're right, dude. Clemson was one and four going into that game. Who beat what? They beat West Virginia or excuse me, Wake Forest in double overtime by seven. Lost to Georgia Tech by four. Lost to A and M by twenty one at A and M. By the way, lost to Florida State by nineteen at Florida State, and lost at Virginia, who was ranked tenth in the country at the time, mm-hmm. thirty to ten. And then just put a butt whip it on us. Wire through for 179. Merriweather, forgot about that guy. Mm-hmm. 84 in, a, in rushing. Oh, my heck. And then they beat Miami. Of course they do. They beat Miami by Always. seven in overtime. Always. Who's Clemson's right? So is, is South Carolina really a rival? No, it's huge. It's huge as a state rivalry. It's, I mean, it's – I'm not going to compare it to BYU and Utah because like, it's way bigger than that has ever, ever been. Really, um, it's like the Auburn Alabama. It's the you 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 put it up there with Auburn and Alabama, or compare it at least <laughs> more so than BYU and Utah. Yeah, more definitely on that level. Not quite at the Iron Bowl level, but it is. It's as good as Georgia, Georgia Tech, Virginia, Virginia Tech. See that's saying Florida, something Florida too. State. It's as good as those for sure. How's the tailgating? Oh, it's unreal. Food is unbelievable. Tail, tailgating down there is is next level. What's your go to on tailgate Southern food? You have to have some mac and cheese. You have to have some kind of pork, in my opinion, uh, whether it's pulled pork or chops or whatever you want to do. Um, and this is kind of snack food from there. The mac and cheese is important. Really? The mac and cheese is very important. So that's do, you, the, do you put anything in the mac and cheese? Like Some people put bacon or whatever it is. Do so you put anything in the mac and cheese? No. You don't, no. You don't need anything in there. <laughs> if you cook it right, you don't <laughs> It's macaroni and cheese. Can I tell That's you a, what it's called? Can I tell you guys a secret? <laughs> this is gonna this is gonna just absolutely throw Gabby off. But I've never had mac and cheese in my life. That's unbelievable. I'm not even joking. I've never had it. It just never looked attractive to me. My aunt Cindy makes the best mac and cheese in the world. It's unbelievable. See, if I have it, see, uh, if if someone says I'll offer you Southern mac and cheese, I'm not gonna have it from a freaking craft box. Uh-uh. <laughs> like if I'm gonna have mac and cheese, I want it the Southern way. I'll have you over. Oh, I'm, I'm, anytime. Tot- I'm totally in. I've never had <laughs> mac and cheese, but I want it the right way. Oh, it's 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 the best thing in the world. <laughs> One of the best things in the I'm world. I'm totally in. <laughs> That's Carl Smith, USU men's basketball trainer. This is this is so much fun to have you here. Uh, next, coming up after this break, I want to talk the three nights in Vegas and from your point of view. Those are pretty fun. What it was it like from when you see it? Uh, Malachi's uh, half-court shot that looked dead on to about everybody so far. It was in. I talked to... <laughs> I want to ask you about like what the locker room was like when you're, um, you know, you're down eight to San Diego State at halftime, or, uh, or what the what the atmosphere was like when you're in this battle with New Mexico and the game against Wyoming. Of course, so much to recap with you. It's Carl Smith. If you want to text and ask Carl any questions, you can at four three five three three nine zero three two one. That's four three five 
339-0321. Text in any questions and we'll ask them on air. It's all in the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. Ajay Salveson, Gabby the intern, and Carl Smith, Utah State men's basketball trainer, joining me here on a special edition of the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The fan, our first hour is posted for you. Be able to uh, re-listen to it. Bobby Sochi joined me at the top of the hour to talk Patriots and their situation, losing Brady, where do they go from here, and the future of the New England Patriots football. They've been spoiled for 20 years, and they're going to realize it very, very, very quickly. Uh, all right. Let's have some fun here. It's uh, it's time to get into the fun stuff of the uh, Utah State basketball. And again, we do it with our special guest, Carl Smith, the uh, trainer for the Utah State men's basketball team. Uh, Carl, the three nights in Vegas, is I, it doesn't do it justice from where we sat. You sat on the bench. I was sitting courtside right across from you guys. It doesn't do it justice for what those three nights did for Utah State, for, excuse me, for one player in specifically, his legacy, but for Utah State as a team, I want to start with Game 1 versus New Mexico, which was an absolute dogfight. Two, two things that came out of this. One, Porter was not in great shape health-wise. He was battling back. I know you can't go into too much detail, um, but there was question is how healthy was he going to be to play? Was was that a game time like up to the minute decision, or did you guys know already? Up to the second decision, really. <laughs> Every second of the game, um, it was yeah. It was. Oh, what can you do? Yeah, and you don't know the answer until so you go through warm ups and you get out there. And he got tangled up early in that game. That's right. You know, and then kind of went to the ground, and that doesn't help anybody that's already injured. Um, and so it was. It was it was every second trying to figure it out. Uh, was that the game that Sean Berstow injured himself? No. No, that was in his, okay. That was Wyoming, wasn't it? Mm-mm. Oh, was, was it championship game? Yeah. See, it's all in one big blur to me right now. <laughs> That's Honestly. Like that. I'm it, trying to think back of it right now. It yeah, seems like I, one big game. Uh, Burrito took that hard fall, right? Yeah. What? I, I, I was so – because when we had our effects mic on, and when you hear him hit the floor, ah, we, we like I covered my ears. Mm-hmm. With my headphones on, which is unfortunate because then the sound came became louder. But I, I covered my ears because it just it sounded so bad. You guys check. I'm guessing first thing concussion, mm-hmm. and luckily it was just was it his back? Just the way he landed? Yeah, it was just just back issue. Um, just from the landing in that fall. Uh, you know, we did everything obviously when a situation like that and anyone gets hit in the head, the first thing we think and the first thing we evaluate is concussion. Uh, with it being as hot topic as it is and. All that came back good to go, and so if he could move and get up down the court, he was good to go. Can I ask you, how do you guys, if I if you're allowed to share, how do you guys test for concussions in college basketball? What's the process? You want me to bore you for an hour? No, yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> um, we just have so before when an athlete gets to Utah State, they go through specific testing um, for concussions, computer based, and then also um, some movements, balance. Um, memorization kind of some some wordplay stuff that we do with them kind of the we kind of just do the standard concussion test that everybody else does um, and so after a concussion you're you're kind of 
of reevaluating them and those things and then comparing them to the baseline. Because some of those tests are kind of hard to do with no head injury. Um, so you're not getting perfect scores. Everyone's not getting 10 out of 10 from the beginning. So if you got a 6 out of 10 from the beginning, can you get a 6 out of 10 after head contact? Um, and we kind of base those off. But the number one thing is symptoms. If you have a symptom of a concussion, you're not going. Like you are, if you have one symptom, you're done. And then once you have no symptoms, then we kind of do those tests and see how you align up to how you originally did them. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah Baseline no, testing and then kind of following back. Yeah. Sam Merrill uh, goes on this 10 of 15 shooting display, scores 29 in the game. Uh, he had four fouls with nine and a half, ten minutes left in the game, and he came in as just as a guy sitting on the bench. He got his fourth earlier than that, didn't he? Yeah, was, he. Oh, yeah. Sorry, but he came into the game with yeah, four with fouls, four fouls yeah. with okay. about nine and a half remaining. He, it was at the sixteen minute mark that he got four. Yeah. Okay. It was yeah. early yeah. sixteen minute mark and kind of a ticky tack foul, if I remember right. But he, he sits on the bench, and then all of a sudden, New Mexico throws that press at him. Bearstow just can't handle the situation. Brock Miller turns over the ball. It's a turnover fest, and then all of a sudden, New Mexico goes from being down five to up 11, 57, 46. and then coach puts in Merrill. Were you at all just? I mean, honest here. Were you at all surprised to see Merrill get up off the bench with nine and a half left in the game? No, with a, with being down eleven, you got to do something. Yeah, before it gets too out of hand. Um, so I, I wasn't really surprised at that at all. But also, Sam's a smart enough player where you might trust him with four fouls more than most people. Uh, and then of course, uh, Justin Bean had a pretty decent night. He had a double double as well. In mm-hmm. fact, he finished with what? He had ten boards. No, excuse me, 10 points and 15 boards. 15 boards. The, the Diego Brito three in the corner. Like, I mean, we're, we're going to get to Sam here in just a bit, but that Diego Brito three to give them a 73-70 lead was Huge. monstrous. Yeah. But it, it, and he did. He shot it, like, right in front of us. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was even on balance. It almost looked like he turned. Sorry, he was open. He's like, oh, I'll shoot it. Yeah. And uh, and hits nothing but that. And just his reaction was so raw. And I got to ask you, the, the, the atmosphere – in game one, that was game one, was electric, wasn't it? Yeah, we had just lost lost to him a few days earlier, so we uh, we understood what the task, the team under and the coaches understood the task at hand and how big that moment was. Well, and the other thing to it was Nevada was the second game, as was Wyoming, mm-hmm. and so everybody's cheering for UNM at this point. Oh yeah, and it just seemed like it became a more road game. The more people piled into the arena, seeing what was going on. That's the thing at, at some of those tournaments when you're a two seed as we were, or a two seed like last last year when you're playing a lower seed, the neutral people in the crowd root for the lower seed. Um, so it really doesn't, you know. And I think I think Aggie fans really showed up for this tournament. I think they did a great job. But when you have the opposing and a, a fan base like New Mexico that does travel well, whether they're above 500 or not, or kind of whatever their record is, they're going to travel well. Um, and then you have all the neutrals and the people waiting for the next game, rooting for the lower seed. It it can get a little daunting, a little loud in there. Let's move on to the semifinal. They face, surprisingly, Wyoming. When you found out Wyoming won, what was your reaction? Uh, I was watching in the hotel. I, think I was doing treatments or I don't know if I was with my wife and our three-year-old McCoy. I can't really remember what I was doing. Um, oh, is your wife and kids there too? Yeah. Oh, so that's they, awesome. They, got, they went down and my parents were there. 
um, and got to enjoy that in the, those three days. Oh, that's great. So it was it was it was awesome for them. Um, and when you find out, Wyoming is such a different team in Las Vegas than the rest of the year. They just started playing free, <laughs> and so you really don't. And you know, our coaches they scout the entire year and they've watched every minute and every second of every game, probably from the last two years of these guys. And then a team completely changes the way they're playing. And kind of all the scouting you've done all year is kind of a little bit thrown out the window. You know, they still did some of the same stuff, but a majority of the way they played was different. Um, they just got Marble and the other kid going downhill, and those two guys going downhill are not an easy task. Um, so it was just – it was good. we knew that they would fight. You know, you come in there as an 11 seed – you win your first two games. You get to play the second-best team in the conference. At that time, the second-best-ranked team or rated team or in the standings, um, they don't have an NIT or CBI or anything like that in the future. They just got one game left, and they're going to play all out. That's, that's, they're, 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 and they've fought every single game. They've always played hard. Wyoming teams have always played hard. And so you know that they're going to give you everything, and that's what they did. And they were very impressive. They have – some talent on that team. When they play that loose, in fact, you guys led by as much as nine, and then they hit a bucket to start the second half, but you guys hit a three, so then you're up by ten. And then in the span of about mm, five minutes, they go on an 11-4 run, trim it to three. As you mentioned, Marble was great in this. Marble was fantastic in the tournament. He scores five straight, ties it at 66, about with, I don't know, seven, eight minutes left. Um, and then Merrill just becomes Sam Merrill again. He scored seven straight. What they shoot from the three in that game? Fourteen for twenty nine. Fifteen for twenty nine. If I'm not mistaken, let me make sure to that's uh, that's correct. I believe it was fifteen. You don't win many nights without a no. Line. Well, and then yeah, they're so they're fifteen for thirty three from the Still. from three. They shot forty five percent. In fact, Kenny Foster, who've been averaging just under four and a half points per game, scores twelve in like the first three minutes that he's on the court. Mm-hmm. Hits two threes. Yeah, no, he, he played really well. Like you said, it was almost like you guys just threw all percentages out the window and said, you know what, scrap it. we got to find a way here. Yeah, that's what you have to do in those situations. You just you, you can't think you're playing the 11 seed Wyoming. You just got to gotta go out and expect that they're going to fight and and just play it like you play every single game. With 10.47 left in the game, or yeah, about maybe 7.40, I can't remember if it was 10 or 7.47, you have this sequence come up. You have a monstrous block by Nimi. Sam comes down and hits a right-wing jumper. Mm-hmm. Come back the other side, and Kenny Foster goes to the hoop. His card is denied by Ketta. And then Sam comes down and knocks after hitting a, a you know, nice little step-back jumper, and you guys take control and pretty much steal it from there. That sequence was enormous, but it was with the two best players on the entire court. And that I just it amazes me when you guys need it the most. It was Ketta and Merrill consistently the whole entire three nights. Those guys and none of none of the guys the entire tournament ever got down. No matter what was happening, whether it was New Mexico, even when New, when New Mexico was up eleven and Wyoming was battling so hard, it's easy to say like, "Well, they're just making every three. We're just you know and just kind of lay down a little bit." But our guys believe that they're going to win. They're going to find a way to win and they're going to do it. And so they just stay in it, and eventually their time comes and. Every big win and every win that you can think of that's been a close game that we've had, there's always been those sequences, and then the game kind of wraps up. Um, and so, it's just it's just a matter of belief with those guys. If yeah, in my opinion. So the problem with this is that it's a late night game. 
you guys and tell me what how what the schedule was like immediately after the game because you've got uh, you know therapy and and work to do on these players after two extremely physical games with a championship game at midday the very following day like uh, what was the schedule like for you guys in trying to get these guys to, your players taken care of and getting them into bed um as soon as the game ended I ran up in the stand to my dad and to my wife and my mom and told them to go by the gas station and buy about 25 bags of ice and, really? and get them. And then we'll figure out how to get them up to the 15th floor of the South point where we stayed um, when they got there and they did that. They were not in the, they weren't in the greatest part of Las Vegas to do that, but they did it. They, they were all in. They were um, for that moment. They did that. And then I, uh, our team was, cause they have to do, in a tournament like that, they got to stay in the locker room for media. That's right. You have the radio, and they were the, the second TV. to go. And yeah, and they were the second to go, even though that they had won. And so they had to do all that. So I hopped in an Uber to get back to the hotel. Um, and me and our team doctor that travels hopped in an Uber, got back to the hotel, met my parents there with ice, did as many ice baths as we could um, for all the guys that played. Got them. And we have a bunch of recovery things, whether it's Different massage guns, recovery pumps, which are boots. Um, kind of, if anyone watch follows LeBron on Instagram, the the Norma Tech is what he used. We use recovery pumps, um, and just kind of did that routine of recovery because we knew it was turned around. But we also wanted them to get as much sleep as they could at the same time. So we just kind of went through a rotation with the guys that played the most down to the guys that played least, and kind of went through that rotation and then sent them to bed. So what time did you go to bed? Um, I don't really remember. After steak and eggs for four ninety five downstairs, really? <laughs> yeah, you got to. So you had steak and eggs, then finally went to bed. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it's because yeah. so Sam said he went to bed. I think he said like two thirty. Mm-hmm. So you had to have been to it was bed after that. Yeah, yeah. And then you turn around. What time did you guys have to get up for? I mean, all your recovery, or I guess your prep. I think we had will. breakfast at nine thirty, something like that. So it wasn't too early, which is ten thirty our time. Thank goodness. Yeah. And then you guys head to the, I guess, what time did you go to the arena? We, it was about two hours before the game, so probably 12.30, 12.40. I don't know if you're allowed to answer this question. I uh, just got a text in. What was, and in fact, it leads me right into this next discussion, what was what was pregame like for you guys inside that locker room as you're getting ready to face the number fifth ranked team in the country? A lot of excitement. Uh, they, these guys aren't afraid of anything. They, this, this group this year looked forward to every challenge that they had. Um, and you kind of saw it throughout the year. They played the best in the biggest games, and they knew that. These guys, and, and there was really no, there's no fear. There's no hesitancy. It's, let's go take care of business. We're going to talk about the championship game, one of the greatest championship games you might see in conference history, one of them at least, uh, with Carl Smith, the USU men's basketball trainer. That's all coming up on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
To Full Court Press, Gabby the Intern, Carl Smith. I'm Audrey Salveson, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Hope you guys are enjoying your Thursday, getting ready for a Friday. We'll have Tyler Jones, the Preston Indians head boys basketball coach. That's my phone rings. I hate that. Does your phone ring like in the middle of the game, or do you put it on silent? I put it on Do Not Disturb. You can ask my wife. I have my phone on Do Not Disturb probably 75% of the time. Do you accidentally leave it on Do Not Disturb when you're off the court? Oh, really? All the time. Because during practice I have it, at night I have it on Do Not Disturb. A lot of people know to call me twice. (laughs) (laughs) So I was actually surprised when you answered. (laughs) AJ, you need, and then you stopped, and I was like, hello? (laughs) And then I thought you said, like, what do you need? And I was like, wow, are you kidding me? I haven't talked to you like two weeks. And I'm like, what do you need? Sorry, man, I'm not a basketball player. I'm just I'm your friend, I thought. You are. Uh, no. Uh, Carl Smith, USU men's basketball trainer, joining us here on the Full Court Press. So let's move on to the uh, the game of the uh, year for the Utah State Aggies, the Mountain West Conference Championship versus fifth-ranked San Diego State, a team that, you know, when I talk to players and coaches, after the second loss to San Diego State, they all wanted the Aztecs in Vegas. Every single one of them wanted San Diego State. Even when I say, hey, would you rather take UNLV or Boise? No. We want San Diego State. Don't ask me again. You don't want the asterisk by the, by the championship. You want to beat who people consider is the best. But you guys had that much confidence that you could go beat them in Vegas. That was what was amazing to me. Yeah. Even though I felt like you guys gave them their best punch in the spectrum, and then even gave them a better punch in San Diego State, and they still found a way to beat you. Our team was uh, was climbing the entire year, if that makes sense. Um, as far as the team, when we played them in January, we played them on Kawhi Leonard night, it was climbing. It wasn't the best we had played. We played the best in the end. Um, and our team knew that. We were getting better every single day. And that's what, what Coach kept on preaching, and that's what everybody saw. You know. So you guys are hanging with them for the first few minutes, and then San Jose State goes on this mean run, and all of a sudden it's like, was it 27 to 11? I mean, you guys could not hit a shot. You didn't <laughs> score for 18 straight possessions or 10 straight minutes. It, 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 there was also a decent, like, they did go on a run. But in those first few minutes, I think Sam missed three wide open threes. Oh yeah, great looks. And too. then Diogo also missed a wide open three. So if any of if three or four of those go down, you're looking at a completely different story. And that's what Coach kept on saying: like we are playing well enough on the defensive side, we are playing well enough on offense. They're not falling right now. Just keep doing what we're doing, and we'll be all right. Everything, everything will equal itself out at the end. So you're down twenty, and is that what? So what's that's what's in the huddle? Yeah. I mean, when you're down 16. Coach Smith doesn't really, uh, I, won't, I wouldn't say he doesn't panic in the huddle, but he is the the least panic coach I've ever worked with. Really? <laughs> um, as far as in the huddle during the time. I remember my first year here in the Spectrum, we did not play well for the first half. And I'd have to go back and look at the schedule. But I can't, it was a school that we were supposed to beat by 30 or 40. And we were up. Five, six and a half. I'd have to go back and look at who it was two years ago. And I, every other coach I've worked for and been around in my life would have just absolutely come in that locker room, guns a-blazing, and let these guys have it. And coach came in there and focused on the positive from the first half. 
and that was about it. And we went out. I think we won the game by thirty at the end of it. But it oh. was it was mind blowing when I, I was in there. The, the the play that people don't talk about enough is Diego Brito's three to end the half because again you're down by double digits and I tweeted out several times, get it to nine, get it mm-hmm. to eight, just get it to single digits and we've got a shot. And that three by Diego was just monstrous, absolutely monstrous for them. Yeah, uh, it was just such a momentum builder for the for the second half. So you go into the second half, you're down eight, but then that three turns into a little bit of a run for Utah State. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe you cut it. In fact, you've cut it to one like four or five times. Yeah. And it just could not get over the hump. Like no. you'd fall. I have a layup fall out. Nemish uh, uh, missed an open gimme. I mm-hmm. think Bean missed one as well. They come back. They hit a three. They hit a two. I mean, you just go back to five, back to four. And it just for so, I think it was like six straight minutes. You just couldn't no. get it there. Just couldn't couldn't get over that hump. How, and but then we I'll, also didn't let it get out of hand. That's see that, and that's where I was going to so. get to. Is that on the other side, you played straight up great defense. Another guy who came in huge for you guys was Alfonso Anderson. Mm-hmm. He comes in. He hadn't played a lot of minutes in the last part of the regular season. Comes in the tournament, lights it up. In fact, has back to back threes. And uh, in fact, because you uh, they came down, uh, or you guys came down, hit a three, cut it to one. They hit a three again, or I think hit a two. I can't remember what it was. And then he comes back and hits another three, mm-hmm. and uh, and from there it's just back and forth. He never changes. <laughs> that's just he's monstrous. That's just that's just who the kid is. It doesn't matter if the game before he played two minutes or twelve or thirty. He's gonna have the same attitude um, every single day in practice. He has a good attitude every single game, and that really doesn't waver at all. Um, and in the biggest moment, he shined, and that was, I felt I was. Exuberant for the kid. I was just super excited for him. A part I don't want to forget, Sean Barristow goes to the hoop, I mean high in the air, falls to the ground hard, mm-hmm. and then is is helped off the court. I don't want to get into injury specifics, but did you know immediately that, hey, his night's done? No, 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 didn't know immediately. Because he came Quickly. back, because he went to the scores table, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did he take himself out of the game, or did you, or how, because he was going to go in, and then coach turns around and calls for Brock. He thought he could go back out there, and then... In the last moment, he kind of had some hesitancy. Second and thoughts. Just like, oh, maybe not. So, And he comes out in a sling, right, in a cast or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, he came out because I think you came to the bench. I saw mm-hmm. you come out. No Sean. And that's when I was like, this isn't good. I, I, I felt so bad because he actually had played pretty darn well. Yeah, he did. He's, he's an unbelievable. First off, he's an unbelievable human being um, and a huge part of our team as far as morale and support and energy. Um but he did feel bad for him because he had been playing really, really well. And his minutes had been going up, and then that happened. Uh, that last two and a half minutes where the Thomas and Mac turned the lights out and said, Flynn, Merrill, give us a show. Mm-hmm. Was that incredible to see from your view or what? Um, I mean, yeah, it was because we won. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it was those two guys are so, so good. Um, and have a chance to be really, really good. And watching those two, two best players in the league, I mean, there's no doubt about that. And I'm not going to tell you who I think is the best player, but they're the two best players in the league. Um, and uh, watching those two go at it and carry their teams was an un- – I'll never forget watching that. Even, even though thinking back on it, and I've watched the, games, the game twice since it happened, um, I don't know if I could break it down play by play. 
Besides the last 16 seconds. Sam three. No, excuse me. Sam layup. Mer, uh, Flynn floater. Mm-hmm. Sam three. Mer, and then Flynn comes and hits a ridiculously tough NBA range three. And gets it back with, I, I think he had tied it up. And then Sam comes back uh, down to the last 16 seconds, as you said. And uh, we all know that the rest is history. Tied at 56. Merrill for the lead. He's got it! Oh, my goodness. He was fouled. I don't know how. Was. They called a tiki-tack foul on Abel on the other side to get free, free, three free throws. And then Sam gets clocked, and they don't call it. That happens. I can I won't comment on officiating. I don't know who listens. Did you know? Did you? Okay. So the New Mexico three, I was like, that's not good. That's short. Oh my gosh. What are you doing, Sam? And then he goes in. Mm-hmm. The San Diego State three was even better guard. And I said, that's going in. Yeah. That's what you expect from him. Did you know player. it was good? Did you think it was good? For my angle, I knew it had a chance. Um, I knew it had a chance. I didn't necessarily know it was good. But my favorite play from the game was actually with eight minutes ago when he pulled up on the left wing. Oh, was deeper. this in transition, right? In transition. That was my favorite, and you can watch my reaction. I think my wife has it on her on her Instagram. I need to watch it. It was unbelievable. That was actually my favorite play from the game. Better Why? Than the, Why? <sighs> just the guts it takes to, to shoot that shot in transition. <laughs> like it's just it's unreal. Like just to just to have the confidence to pull it up from that distance in that situation, and then drill it is it was. Unbelievable to me. I uh, I got on Twitter. I, I mean, it was a late late night. I want to get a celebration with you in just a moment, but it was a late night. I got on Twitter and put out on Twitter, does anybody else want to argue with me that Sam is the greatest ever? There were people just two months ago when we had our five best Aggies ever, and I put Sam as my guy, <laughs> who were just crucifying me for it. That night, after that game, at about 12 o'clock in the morning, they're all like, nope, we're good. Yeah, we're good. Sam's the greatest <laughs> ever. Thought so. I know you have to be careful because you are. I mean, there's a, I guess, bias if you want to call it. Where does Sam Merrill become come in your regard as one of the greatest ever that you've been able to see from your point of view? It's the best Aggie that I've seen in my two years. <laughs> That's a good answer. That's a smart answer. Um, but you know, like, and I've watched Utah State basketball throughout my life at points, and not not every single game. And honestly, when it's when you're traveling and it's on the hotel at 10 p.m. Eastern time, where I normally have been, you, you can tune in because you don't want to watch Sports Center for the third time, <laughs> so you just tune into whatever game is live. Um, so I've seen—I mean, I've seen—I don't remember watching JC, and obviously I didn't—and this is going to people in the valley aren't going to be happy with me, but I didn't know who Wayne Estes was till I came here. No, Obvi- obviously since yeah. then I've read everything about him, and I know the whole story now, and that seems unbelievable. Um, but I like to, and it goes, you know, our guys always like to argue top five NBA players currently and all that. And I just, honestly, in my opinion, I don't really like to argue greatness. I just like to appreciate it. Um, and, and that's what we did for three days in Vegas. We'll take our final break and we'll come back and wrap this one up with Carl Smith, Utah State men's basketball trainer. It's been a lot of fun. 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106 9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It's the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. I was just telling Carl and Gabby off the air, this show has gone by so fast. Unreal. 
absolutely unreal how quick this show uh, this show has gone by. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, Carl, thanks for coming out, man. This has been a blast. No big deal. Anytime. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, we got about uh, eighty seconds left. Uh, for you, uh, where does you've been through a lot of seasons? Where does this Utah State basketball season lie as one of your fun seasons? Uh, probably first, honestly. Really, just the adversity and everything that we had to go through as a team. Um, to have it in like that when you kind of have battled through everything, because sometimes you don't even know if it's possible, hmm. especially and I'm and I'm my viewpoint's a little bit different than even a coach's. Um, I kind of deal with the players day to day, kind of their sense. mental status and those kind of things. But to, at times when you don't know if it can happen, and then just to put the work in. Um, and we'll go back to Davo Sweeney really quick when he said the, the fun is in the process, not in the moment. <laughs> and I look back at some of those practices that weren't very pretty, but they were a lot of fun thinking back about it. The fan has invited businesses, clubs, organizations, church groups, and event organizers to call in and tell us what you're doing in light of the COVID-19 situation. Call in at 435-774-1674. For Carl Smith, for Bob Soshi, for Gavin the Intern, I'm Audrey Salveson. You've listened to another edition of the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.